In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, today is the third Sunday of Advent, and we consider John the Baptist, who is the forerunner of Christ. He's the last prophet, the only prophet that was prophesied about from the other and by the other prophets. The greatest preacher to have ever lived, the one who baptized Jesus, uh, the one whom Jesus called and said, of him, that he was the greatest man born of a woman. And here's John in prison, and he's doubting. He is under spiritual attack. His faith is shaken. And he asked this question for himself. He says, are you the one who is to come, or should we wait for another? He's talking about Jesus. In other words, are you the Christ Because it doesn't look or feel like you're the Christ. I don't see you doing the things you said you would do. Here I am in prison. I've done all these things. And yet here I am moments away from my own martyrdom, from my own death. Uh, There's a dangerous teaching among Christians and churches that Christians believe. uh, That's maybe even preached from pulpits. And the dangerous teaching is this. It's that true Christians never doubt. That when doubt comes, when when someone believes this, when a Christian believes that a true Christian doesn't doubt, finally when doubt comes, he thinks that something weird or abnormal is happening to him. Something that's never happened to anybody else. I'm the only person who's doubting. So when we suffer, we oftentimes then begin to doubt and we begin to ask God questions. Then what happens in this is that this doubt leads to then more doubt and doubt and it just spirals out of control. Because the idea is, well, if Christians don't doubt, if true Christians don't doubt, and then I'm doubting, then what? Then I must not be a true Christian, which throws you into more doubt. And it happens even, even worse. So you doubt even that you are then even a Christian. Um, so this doubt is this vicious cycle. But here's, here's the truth about doubt. A, a season of doubt or a moment of doubt is not uncommon to the saints of God. It's common. John the Baptist here today is doubting. Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, David himself, Peter, Thomas, all of the disciples, Martin Luther himself, all doubted in a moment of severe anguish. They were, they, they were flesh and blood. Their, their hearts are plagued and weighed down by sin and burdens. I'm not saying that in all of these cases their faith died, but what is true of all of those people that I named is that their faith was indeed dying, was on the way to, to, to die. Uh, the main takeaway here is that when you suffer and doubt, I don't want you to think that it's just you, that something is, that this doubt is only plaguing you, that you're the first person to experience this, the first Christian, and that there must be something wrong with you. Okay, so that's the first thing. <clears throat> However, even though doubt is common among the saints of God, I don't want you ever for a moment to think that doubt is okay or harmless. Doubt is indeed evil. Doubt is the precursor to unbelief. Uh, 
all apostates, that's all people who were Christian at one point and then have fallen away, all of them have fallen away because of the same pattern. They suffered, they had some doubt, and then they left that doubt unchecked, and that doubt grew and grew until total unbelief. Doubt leads to more doubt. They, they doubted minor things, which led them to doubt major things in the scriptures, and then that major doubt led to complete unbelief in the merits of Christ for their salvation. And they've fallen away. <clears throat> but by the way, a doubt, when you doubt, it doesn't say anything about God. It says and reveals a lot about you, about your own sinful heart. The, the problem here with all of this is that you cannot prevent doubt. You can't prevent them from rising up in your heart. It just happens before you can think of it. A tragedy happens, something uh, horrifying would happen. Uh, you get a diagnosis, uh, the death of a loved one. You fall into a pattern of, of a bad and evil habit. You experience loneliness and pain and anguish. You have poverty, whatever it might be, in weakness. Then you are tempted to doubt God, to question God and ask him, are your promises true? Uh, does God even hear my prayers? And if he hears them, then does he even care? Because I've prayed this a thousand times and nothing has changed. This, this is what we're plagued with. The question, so, the question here is not if you will doubt, but what you will do when you doubt. Because those days are coming if you're not in them now. Um, just to give you some application to this, some real life examples of how this doubt looks, uh, what this doubt looks like and the way people try to oftentimes deal with this doubt. Um, some people will say, you know, I'm going through a lot. There's a lot of things happening. I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a few Sundays off. Just stay home for a little bit. I'll come back later. Or, you know what, I'm going to get my life in order. And once things are in order, once things are, my family's working well, my kids are obedient, things are going well, I'll, I'll be back in church. I just got to get this stuff uh, uh, in, in place. Everyone who has said this to me, this could be different in different churches, um, maybe in different in, in, in other experiences, but everyone who has said this to me from this church is gone. I, I want you to take that to heart. They are not here. They have lost the faith. They dealt with doubt on their own. Their repentance was temporary. Their faith was momentary. It was for a moment. Worst of all, even with any exhortation or encouragement, you could say it in the loving, uh, the most loving way. It, they don't even care. They don't want to come back to church. They don't, want, they, they don't see a need to. They don't have any hunger or thirst. That hunger and thirst to hear the forgiveness of sins, to receive the Lord's Supper, to sing hymns to God. It's dead. They're numb to it completely. Uh, now, I, I know you're probably thinking of objections uh, to this. And the first objection that... I know would probably come up is, look, well, you know what? I left church, but I'm back. I left for a time. I skipped for years. And look at me. Now I'm here today. Thanks be to God for that. 
But that is the exception and not the rule. In fact, you should not be proud of that. You should humble yourself and be ashamed of that. You are here. If that, has, if that is the case, if that is true and that is the story of your life, then thanks be to God. But humble yourself for, God, uh, for, for the love of God. Uh, you are here by God's mercy, not because of you. Not because you could overcome your doubt on your own. It's because the Holy Spirit went and got you and brought you back somehow. I don't know how he did it, but he did through his word. Either through the word of a friend or through the word of a, a parent or a loved one or a sermon that you heard. Something brought you back, but it was the Holy Spirit who did. Uh, some practical advice here on this. Because you know these things, because you know we're so prone to doubt, I don't want you ever to tell anyone, especially a Christian, to just take some time for yourself away from church. Uh, to tell that to friends or family or children or worse, uh, to other members. To say, you know what, stay away. Just take some time. Uh, you, you don't need to come to church. That is a sin. It is a sin to offer that advice. Because the third commandment, God, God's opinion on this matter is that you should remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That's what he says. So that's what we should say to one another. That's what we should encourage one another with, with those words. Now, <clears throat> with, with all this being said, we have this elephant in the room, the issue of doubt. What do we do with this? Well, there is a solution to doubt. There's one solution. That's it. And either you hear it today and know what to do when the moment of doubt comes, or you don't listen to it and you won't know what to do. So here it is. This is the one solution. When you doubt, you do what John the Baptist did. You turn to Jesus once more. That is the only way. When you're tempted to turn away from Christ, then what you do is you turn to him all the more instead. You ask him to take away the doubt that you have. He already knows the doubt in your heart. So tell him that you have that doubt. Tell him, Lord, I don't even know if you're listening to me. I don't know if you hear my prayers. Then say that to him. And then in the process of doing that, you are praying to him. Jesus' word is the only solution to doubt. Christ is the author and the perfecter of faith. So if your faith is imperfect, then who do you turn to? Christ, who makes it perfect. If your faith is going away, then you go to the one who is the author of faith. Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. It comes in no other way, but that way. If you have weak faith, you go to the one who makes faith, who is Christ the Lord. Um... If you doubt, whatever it is, it could be big or little things that you're doubting. Things, the historicity of the scriptures. Um, you could be doubting that God loves you, that he forgives your sins, whether you're one of the elect, things like this. If you doubt, uh, th take this advice, take it to heart. Talk to your pastor. <clears throat> that is why God has put me uh, and called me here to Zion. Is for that reason. Um, it is to address the doubt and the despair and the unbelief that you would have. 
Many of you have. And uh, what I've noticed is that uh, when, when you do have doubts and you do come to me, many of you know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You, you, it, you know what I'm going to talk about already before you come into the office or call me on the phone. I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about what? Jesus, who suffered and bled for you, that his word is true, that he died for you, that he resurrected for you, and if the grave is empty, and if that word is true, then all of his other words are going to be true too. It's just a matter of time. Wait, soon his word will be true, and you will see it. And even though, those of you have come, uh, and I've, I've told you this, even though you knew it, what happened? Your faith was strengthened. It was, you knew what was going to be said, and it, yet it grew because of what you heard, because of the gospel. Your situation, your problem, your conflict, your disease, your illness, your issues didn't change, but your heart did. And it changed only through the word of God, that it was able to bear the weight of those things that you're going through. And that's what happened to John. He didn't need his situation to change. He didn't need Jesus to open the door to the prison and let him out. He didn't need to see a miracle. He didn't even need to see Jesus or hear Jesus' voice. He only needed his words. Just tell me a word. What does Jesus say? And then my faith will, will survive. It will, it will be strengthened through this. That is what the pastor does. Um, he preaches and speaks the word of Christ into your hearts. Um, the answer always to your doubts and anguish and despair and unbelief is Christ and him crucified. It will always be that. The circumstance changing will not improve your faith. The disease going away will not improve your faith. Money won't improve your faith. The word of God improves your faith. And that is it. That is all you have. And yet that is all you need. You have Christ and him crucified. When you doubt, you need the preaching of Christ in your ears. And this preaching not only requires faith, but it creates the faith that it requires. Jesus suffered. He cried out for your forgiveness. He emptied himself for you. And you put your trust in the one who never once doubted God the Father. Even while he was forsaken on the cross, he trusted in him even with his dying breaths. Faith comes by hearing and faith remains by hearing. So whatever doubt you may have, whatever uncertainty you may have, you don't need to look to or wait for anyone else or look to any other word or wait for another. You wait only for the Lord. Only for him. You be strong, you lift up your head, and you take heart. Soon, very soon, you will see Jesus. He will appear, and he will remove every doubt from your heart. He will remove all uncertainty and fill your eyes with what he has promised. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.